Section 1 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibraVox recording. All LibraVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibraVox.org. Recording by Susan Florshinger, Montana. Mysteries of London, Volume 4 by George W. M. Reynolds The Ghost, Agnes, and Mrs. Mortimer Mysteries of London, Volume 4, by George W. M. Reynolds The Ghost, Agnes, and Mrs. Mortimer Chapter 179 The preceding episode has run to a considerable length but we hope and believe that our readers will experience no difficulty in resuming the thread of the general narrative. It must be remembered that the leading incidents of the story just placed on record were related to Mrs. Mortimer by Jack Riley by way of passing the few hours during which they had agreed to remain with bitter old Bob who, bound hand and foot, was seated helplessly in a chair. Yes, observed Jack Riley, when he had brought his history to a conclusion, they do say that the young woman walks at times. Don't speak in such a solemn tone, interrupted Mrs. Mortimer, casting a sudden glance around. You almost make me think that you— yourself believe in the possibility of the spectral visitation well i don't know how it is returned the doctor feeling a certain superstitious influence growing upon him and which he vainly endeavoured to shake off but i certainly never before had such sensations as i experience now upon my soul he cried, striking the table violently with his clenched fist. I am a prey to vague and undefined alarms tonight, but I will subdue them. Well, and are you sure that this is the house where the young lady was murdered? asked Mrs. Mortimer after a brief pause. There is no doubt about that, responded Jack Riley. Vitteral Bob there can tell you that the floor of the chamber where the deed took place is blackened with accumulated dust, yet in the middle there is a deeper stain, and on the ceiling of the room beneath it is easy to descry the same sinister traces even amidst dirt and cobwebs. Then, as you said just now, remarked Mrs. Mortimer, drawing her shawl over her shoulders, for she experienced the chill of superstitious terror gaining upon her. As you said just now, this is the second murder that has been committed within these walls. Scarcely had Mrs. Mortimer ceased speaking when the bell of the neighboring church proclaimed the hour of one. Now, is the time for the ghost said bitter old bob with a low but ferocious chuckle for he experienced a malignant pleasure in observing that superstitious fears were gaining on the formidable riley and the hideous old woman 
You don't like the near neighborhood of the stiff, huh? I'm a thinking. Well, I'll lay you wager, Jack, that I'll go and shake the old feller by the hand quite in a friendly way if you will but take off these cursed cords. There's no ill feeling betwixt us now. I would rather leave you where you are and send Polly Calvert to release you, replied the doctor. Yes, yes, hastily exclaimed Mrs. Mortimer. Let him be where he is. But surely we may go now, Mr. Riley, for it is getting on for two. It is only this minute struck one, cried Vitteral Bob with a malignant leer from his dark reptile-like eyes which seemed to shine with a glare of their own, independent and brighter than the dim light of the miserable candle. Besides, he added, now purposely rendering his voice as solemn and as omniscient as possible, "'Tis just the time for the ghost of the young gal, or rather the young woman to walk, and I should be vexed Indeed, if you didn't stay to have a look at her, I've seen her more than once. That's an infernal falsehood, Bob, exclaimed Jack Riley, starting from his seat on the barrel and vainly endeavoring to subdue the nervous excitement that had gained so rapidly upon him. It's true, it's true as you're there, cried the murderer who felt a ferocious joy at thus inspiring terror in the mind of the strong and hardened ruffian who had conquered him. And I'll tell you something more, too, continued Fitteral Bob. You said just now, and you said truly also, that on the anniversary of the murder of the young lady wanders about the place, uttering holler moans. Well. This is the night, then. She was murdered just twenty years ago, and the clock has struck one. The effect which these words produced upon Jack Riley and Mrs. Mortimer was as rapid as it was extraordinary, although they were both of a nature peculiarly inaccessible to superstitious terrors on common occasions, and under any other circumstances, would have laughed at the idea of a spectral visitation and ghostly wanderings. Yet now they vainly struggled against the powerful influence of increasing terror, and although in their hearts they more than half suspected that Federal Bob had spoken only to aggravate their alarms, yet they could not shake off the awe and consternation that seized upon their souls. In respect to Jack Riley, it was in one of those evescent weaknesses which the most brutal and remorseful ruffians are known periodically to experience. But, with regard to Mrs. Mortimer, it was the singularity of her present position, the consciousness that she was in a lonely place with two men of desperate character, the terrible remembrance that the murdered corpse of her husband lay in the adjoining room. The impression made upon her mind by the appalling history 
of crime which had been told elaborately in detail to her the thought that the very floors and the ceilings of the uppermost chambers in that house bore the testimony to the tale of blood and the idea that the ghost of the assassinated lady was wont to wander in the depth of the night and on the scene of the crime it was all this that struck mrs mortimer with awe and consternation rendering her incapable of serious reflection and levelling her strong mind as it were beneath the influence of superstitious terrors well what the devil is the matter with you both demanded Vitteral bob after a pause how do you mean answered jack riley reseating himself and grasping the brandy bottle with a trembling hand why you and the old lady looked at each other as if you already heard the light step and the rustling shroud of the apparition said the murderer hark what's that ejaculated the doctor once more starting to his feet it certainly was a noise somewhere observed mrs mortimer trembling from head to foot perhaps the old man in the back kitchen has gotten up and is groping his way about said fitteral bob speaking with an affection of terror which was so natural that it cruelly enhanced the superstitious alarms experienced by his companions this is intolerable exclaimed riley looking in a ghastly manner towards the door as if he more than half expected to behold it suddenly thrown open and some hideous form appear on the threshold i can't make out what it is that has come over me to-night tis like a warning and yet i never believed in ghosts until now nor i nor i murmured mrs mortimer but to-night i feel also as if hark suddenly cried vitterol bob there is a noise again it must be the old man ejaculated the doctor are you sure that you did for him thoroughly if anything like him meets your eyes jack it must be his ghost i can assure you was the solemn answer although vitterel bob himself partook not in the slightest degree of the superstitious terrors that had grown upon his companions but was on the contrary inwardly chuckling with malignant joy at their awestruck state of mind there did you hear it demanded mrs mortimer in a hasty and excited tone i am sure it was a noise this time there could be no mistake about it and she endeavoured to raise from her chair but terror kept her motionless paralyzing every limb though not placing a seal upon her lips something dreadful is to happen to-night i know it i feel it said jack riley in a tone which indicated remorse for a long career of crime and turpitude by god tis the back door of the house that is opening then this is serious indeed interrupted vitterel bob now alarmed in his turn but rather on account of constables than spectres unloose me let us fight resist 
Silence, muttered Jack Riley in a low but imperious tone. There was a pause of nearly a minute, during which the three inmates of the kitchen held their breath to listen in painful suspense. Suddenly, the rattling of the crazy banister outside fell upon their ears, and Jack Riley worked up to a pitch of desperation, seized the candle, saying in a hoarse and dogged tone, By hell, I'll face it, whatever it may be. With these words, he tore open the kitchen door, and behold, before him stood a female form, clothed in white, with a countenance pale as death, her hair flowing wildly and disheveled over her shoulders, with eyes fixed in unnatural brilliancy upon him. The ruffian was for a few moments paralyzed, stupefied with horror. Then, unable any longer to endure the spectral, which his fears converted into a corpse, wrapped in a winding sheet, he exclaimed, The ghost! The ghost! and dropped the candle upon the floor. Total darkness immediately ensued. At the same time, a piercing scream echoed through the house, and Mrs. Mortimer, now recovering all her presence of mind, started to her feet, crying, That is no apparition, save of flesh and blood. Haste, Jack Riley, procure a light. Where are you, man? Let us see who it is. Here I am, returned the doctor, likewise regaining his self-possession. Bob, where are the Lucifers? In my right-hand pocket growled the murderer, who, in the excitement of the past scene, and in the tremendous but ineffectual exertions which he had made to release himself from his bonds, the moment the light was extinguished, had fallen from his seat and rolled upon the floor. Nearly half a minute now elapsed ere the candle was found and lighted again. Then Jack Riley, closely followed by Mrs. Mortimer, hastened into the passage where they beheld the form of a young female stretched senselessly at the foot of the stairs. The old woman stooped down to raise her, but scarcely had she caught a glimpse of the pale countenance on which the finger of death seemed to have been placed when, startling with surprise and joy, she exclaimed, "'Tis Agnes Vernon, as I am a living being!' "'Agnes Vernon? Who is she?' Do you know her? demanded the doctor, holding forward the light. By Jove, she is a sweet creature, whoever she is. That's right. Raise her gently. But is she dead, poor thing? No, no, her heart beats, and her lips already begin to move, responded Mrs. Mortimer hastily, as she held the still senseless maiden in her arms. Well, this is a lucky chance that has thrown her in our way, and there's money to be made out of it. So much the better. Shall I get a little water? asked the doctor. Yes, and use dispatch, returned Mrs. Mortimer. Jack Riley entered the kitchen and filled the glass with water. Who is it? demanded Vitterall Bob, whom the doctor had previously restored to his position in the chair. A young lady that Mrs. Mortimer happens to know, 
was the reply. There is no danger for mother visitors, according to all appearances. So keep quiet and don't alarm yourself. The doctor hastened back into the passage, where Mrs. Mortimer was seated on the last step of the staircase, supporting Agnes in her arms. Now, will you follow my advice, Mr. Riley? She demanded in a rapid tone as she sprinkled the water upon the pallid countenance of the young lady. Yes, it seems feasible, was the immediate answer. What is it? That we do not keep this timid thing a moment longer in the house than is absolutely necessary, continued Mrs. Mortimer. For her own sakes, we must guard against her beholding the interior of that place and as she uttered these words in a low tone she nodded significantly towards the door of the back kitchen where the corpse of torrance had been deposited yes yes i understand said jack riley it might be thought that we were accomplices in the murder in the same way it would do no good to let her see bitter old Bob bound neck and crop in the front kitchen. That is just what I was about to suggest, observed Mrs. Mortimer. We must get her out of the house as soon as possible and into a cab. Then don't use any more means to recover her, interrupted Jack Riley, snatching the glass of water from the old woman's hand. Let her remain for a short time longer in that trance. It will not kill her. Depend upon it. And you have the advantage of possessing an Esculapius in me. What do you propose, then? demanded Mrs. Mortimer, casting an anxious glance upon the countenance of the still senseless girl. Don't be frightened. I tell you, repeated Jack Riley, I'll guarantee that she shall recover. But let us be off at once. I'll take her in my arms and carry her into Bennett Street. The neighborhood is all quiet and deserted at this hour. And you shall order round a cab from the stand in the road. There are always two or three in attendance throughout the night. Good, exclaimed Mrs. Mortimer. We'll be off at once. This instant, said Jack Riley, as he gently raised the motionless, senseless form in his powerful arms, while Mrs. Mortimer took off her shawl and wrapped it hastily over the head and shoulders of Agnes. The doctor gave a hurried intimation to bitter old Bob that Polly Calvert should be sent to him as speedily as possible, and he then stole out of the house, Mrs. Mortimer having previously ascertained that the coast was perfectly clear. Everything was effected as Jack Riley had proposed. He gained Bennett Street with his lovely burthen in his arms, and there he waited in the deep darkness afforded by a large gateway until Mrs. Mortimer came round with the cab. The maiden was placed in the vehicle, which the old woman entered in order to take charge of her, and Jack Riley, after having made an appointment with his accomplice, for the next evening bade her a temporary farewell. The cab drove away towards Park Square, and the doctor on his side hurried off to the lodgings of pig-faced Molly. But the thread of our narrative now lies with Mrs. Mortimer and the beauteous Agnes Vernon, 
Scarcely had the cab moved away from the vicinity of the haunted houses when Agnes began rapidly to recover, and on opening her eyes, she became aware that she was reclining in the arms of a female and that they were being borne speedily along in a vehicle. For an instant it struck her that she must be with her mother, but in the next moment the horrors of the night crowded rapidly into her memory, and starting up, she demanded in a hurried, anxious manner, Where am I? And who are you? Scarcely were the questions put when the young maiden was enabled by the silver moonlight to catch a glimpse of the countenance of her companion, and she instantly recognized Mrs. Mortimer. Her first emotions were of joy and gratitude, for she had delighted to find herself in the care of a female, especially one of whom she knew something, and taking the old woman's hand, she said, Madam, I know not how to thank you, and am scarcely aware of what I have to thank you for. But if my impression be correct, you must have rescued me from something very terrible. Yes, I recollect now that door opening, a light appearing, and then that hideous, horrible face. And with a visible shudder, the maiden threw herself back in the vehicle pressing her hands to her throbbing brows in order to collect her still disjointed and somewhat confused reminiscence. You are laboring under dreadful recollections, my dear child, said Mrs. Mortimer in a soothing tone. No, you not. Can you not suspect that you were in the power of a ruffian when I fortunately encountered you? But where? Where? demanded Agnes, impatiently as her settling ideas seemed to coincide with that belief. I should rather ask you, my sweet maiden, said Mrs. Mortimer, how you came to be in Stamford Street this night. My mother took me thither. Yes, I recollect it all now, exclaimed Agnes. She left me at the house of some dear friends, and I was ungrateful enough to entertain the most injurious suspicions respecting them, yes, and relative to my own dear mother also. Your mother? repeated Mrs. Mortimer in astonishment. I thought you had never known her, or that she had died when you were in your infancy. Oh, no! Thank God! My mother is alive, and I know her now, ejaculated Agnes, with all the enthusiasm of a strongly reviving affection. A powerfully resuscitating devotion for the parent whom she had so lately discovered. But where is your mother now? inquired Mrs. Mortimer. Ah, that I know not, replied Agnes, and this reminds me she exclaimed after a few moments' pause, that you must take me back to the good, kind ladies in Stamford Street, that I may remain there until my mother shall come to fetch me away, to this new home which she has promised to prepare for me. Who are those good ladies? asked Mrs. Mortimer. Their name is Theobald, and they live in Stamford Street. "'responded the artless girl. 
You may know the house, or at least the driver of the vehicle can find it out. When I describe it as being situated forth from the corner of the Black Barriers Road and next to three deserted, dilapidated, sinister-looking houses. Ah, then you must have found your way from the dwelling of your friends into one of those ruined places, thought Mrs. Mortimer. But I am really at a loss, my dear young lady, to comprehend all you tell me she said aloud. Before I give you the necessary explanation to enable you to understand it all, said Agnes, will you inform me which road the vehicle is pursuing? I am taking you to a place of safety, my dear girl, responded Mrs. Mortimer. A place of safety? repeated Agnes, her countenance assuming an expression of deep anxiety. Am I, then, in any danger? And in what does the peril consist? I know not, my love, answered the old woman, speaking in the kindest tone of voice. I only judge by the condition in which I found you, the circumstance which threw us this night together, and the observations which has fallen from your lips, that you were indeed in a state of extreme danger. Just heaven! exclaimed Agnes. But what observations did I make? That you had entertained suspicions relative to the friends to whose care your mother had consigned you, said Mrs. Mortimer. Yes, and I told you truly, resumed the ingenious maiden. I know not how it was. I cannot account for it now. But when I found myself alone in a strange house, Terrible, though undivined fears took possession of my soul, and I resolved to escape. I succeeded in getting as far as the next house, which I entered, but scarcely had I crossed the threshold of the back door when a light suddenly appeared and a countenance was revealed to my affrighted gaze, a countenance so dreadful to look upon that I tremble now as I think of it. Then, so far as I can recollect, I heard a voice thundering something loud but unintelligible in my ears. I screamed and fainted. When I came to my senses, I was in your arms and in this vehicle. I can throw some light upon the matter, said Mrs. Mortimer, whose object was to keep the attention of Agnes as much as unremittingly engaged as possible so as to prevent her from growing uneasy relative to the ultimate destination of the cab. For should she become alarmed, she might appeal to the driver for protection, and a disturbance in the street would prove inevitable. You must know, continued Mrs. Mortimer, that I was returning home from a friend's house in Stanford Street when I met a great stout, horribly ugly man carrying a female form in his arms the moonlight showed me his dreadful countenance and i instantly suspected that some foul play was intended i accordingly insisted that he should stop which he did with much reluctance declaring that you were his daughter and that he was taking you home 
as you had fallen down in a fit. Oh, then some mischief was really meditated towards me, exclaimed Agnes, clasping her hands together in shuddering horror of the perils through which she supposed herself to have passed. Yes, my dear child, observed Mrs. Mortimer, you doubtlessly owe your life to me. Ah, madam, interrupted Agnes, how can I ever sufficiently thank you for your goodness? Then, as a reminiscence struck to her artless mind with a pang of a remorse, she exclaimed as she pressed the old woman's wrinkled hand to her lips, It seems fated that I should suspect those who are my best friends. Do not think of that, my love, said the wily old creature, who easily conjectured what was passing in that amiable maiden's ingenious soul. When you know me better, you'll appreciate my conduct towards you, as it deserves. Doubtless, your father will set you against me, and then that little misunderstanding relative to the affair of Lord William Trevelyan, but enough of that for the present. Let me conclude my little narrative relative to yourself. Well, I was describing to you how I compelled the man to stop, and I was about to tell you that I was by no means satisfied with the explanations he gave me. Indeed, I threatened to summon the assistance of the police, and you may be well assured that this menace suddenly became a settled resolution when as the moonlight fell upon the countenance of this fair creature whom the man carried in his arms i recognized yourself my sweet agnes you can conceive my astonishment perhaps but you can form no idea of the apprehension that seized upon me for i really love you dearly although i have seen so little of you the man was dreadfully alarmed when he perceived that i knew you and I had no difficulty in compelling him to surrender you into my charge. He then dechamped, and I placed you in a cab, which happened to be passing at the time. You now know all. Ah, oh, from what inconceivable perils have you not saved me? exclaimed Agnes, full of enthusiastic and impassionate gratitude towards the woman, whom she looked upon as her deliverer my dear mother will thank you warmly earnestly most sincerely for this generous act on your part and i shall never never forget the deep obligation under which you have placed me enough on that subject my dear child said mrs mortimer you have spoken several times of your mother may i ask how you came to discover her or how she happened to have remained so long unknown to you. I'm bewildered when I think of all that, returned Miss Vernon in a mournful tone. It was last evening when she came to me that she sought me out in my retirement, that she announced herself as my parent, and my heart's feelings gave me the assurance that she was indeed what she represented herself to be. Then I agreed to accompany her, for she told me that she was unhappy, and she claimed my love and my duty as a daughter. 
Oh, my dear madam, can you doubtless understand how joyous, how delightful were my emotions on the encountering a mother whom I had never known till then? I only thought of giving away to those delicious feelings until I found myself left in the charge of strangers. Then it was that I grew afraid. That vague and undefinable apprehension took possession of my soul that I became suspicious of all and everything, and that I fled. Foolish, mistaken creature that I was, that one false step of mine threw me into the hands of a monster, who would perhaps have killed me had you not rescued me from his power. Agnes paused and arranged her hair, her dark, luxuriant, glossy hair floating so wildly and yet so beauteously in its disheveled state over her shoulders. And now as the tint of the rose had returned to her cheeks and her eyes had recovered their witching softness of expression, she appeared transcendentally lovely to the view of the old woman whom the moonlight enabled to survey the charming creature seated opposite to her suddenly the vehicle stopped and agnes hastily looked from the windows beheld a row of handsome houses on one side and an enclosure of verdant shrubs and plants on the other this is not stanford street madam she said to mrs mortimer no my dear child was the almost whispering reply but it is a place of safety to which i have brought you do you imagine that I, who have saved your life this night, could intend you any harm? Wherefore be thus ever suspicious respecting your best friends? These words not only reassured Agnes, but made her blush at what she deemed to be her ingratitude towards her deliverer, and pressing the old woman's hand feverently, she murmured, Forgive me, I implore you. Think no more of it, my love, said Mrs. Mortimer, as she alighted from the vehicle then, turning towards the maiden, she added, Remain in your place for a few minutes, until I have aroused the people of the house. The chill air of the early morning will give you cold, lightly clad as you are. Agnes signified an assent, and the old woman hastened up to the front door of the house, at which they had stopped. She knocked and rang, but some time elapsed ere the summons was answered. At length, a domestic who had huddled on some clothing made his appearance, and to Mrs. Mortimer's query whether his master were at home, an affirmative reply was given. Then hasten not to arouse him, for I have called upon a matter of great importance to his lordship, said the old woman. "'Certainly I will do so, madam,' returned the domestic, "'since you assure me that your business is pressing. "'But will you not walk in and await the lordship's readiness to receive you?' "'Yes,' replied Mrs. Mortimer, "'and I have a person with me who must accompany me. "'But listen to something that I have to urge upon you. "'You will conduct us both as a matter of course into the same room but when your master is ready to receive me 
take care that I obtain an interview alone with him in the first instance. It is of the highest consequence that these instructions should be fully attended to. You shall be obeyed, madam, said the servant. Mrs. Mortimer now fetched Agnes from the vehicle which she ordered to be kept waiting for herself, and the two females were conducted by the domestic into a handsome apartment where having lighted the wax candles he left them end of chapter recording by susan florshinger montana